Hello and welcome to the Raw Leadership Podcast with me, Steve Barker. My goal is to help you increase your skills and reputation as a leader, to increase your ability to connect and influence with others, and increase your ability to be the very best leader you can be, particularly in this time of change that is happening in leadership right now. As we get started today, I encourage you to visit my leadership website, www.stevebarker.com.au or my Facebook group, Audacious Leadership, where you will find heaps more resources, insights and strategies that will help you to continue to grow your leadership skills. G'day and welcome to the Raw Leadership Podcast with me, Steve Barker. How are you? I hope that wherever you are in the world, whatever you're up to, life is being kind to you and you are staying safe. We're up to episode 14 in the Raw Leadership Podcast, so I hope that you're enjoying the content I'm sharing with you. I hope that the interviews that I've carried out so far have resonated with you and that you are getting value from this podcast. One of the things that many of my listeners provide me in my feedback is how they love the fact that I just get straight to the point. So let's start talking about emotionally strong leaders and what they do. But before we actually get into that sort of... the, the I've got six things that they do, and I want to be able to share those with you. But I want to be able to talk about emotions, first of all, the broader sense of emotion. Because as a leader, we need to be emotionally fit. We need to be emotionally agile, adaptable. And what I mean by this is to be able to not be afraid of emotion, to be able to accept and allow emotion to to pass through us, to be able to recognize emotion in other people. Because as a leader, we're going to have people who come to us with their problems. That's one of the roles of a leader. We provide that level of certainty that people are craving for, especially when they're emotional and things aren't going as well as they could be for them. So as a leader, we need to have the ability, we need to have the knowledge, the understanding of being able to process and deal with emotion, to be able to understand emotion, to be able to recognize emotion in other people, and even more for us to be able to remain somewhat emotionally detached as other people share their emotions with us. And that takes time. That's a skill that needs to be developed as a leader. It's a very strong skill, and it needs to be nurtured, and it takes time. So if you're listening to this and you're a leader and you don't like emotions, you don't like people being emotional around you, you see uh, an emotional problem coming your way and you, you run off in the other direction, then this is an area that you could possibly start to lean into and grow into. So as I said at the start, the six things that identify leaders with a good amount of emotional flexibility, emotional uh, fitness. And these are the, this is what emotionally strong leaders do. Number one, they embrace change, challenges, and problems. So one of the primary things that leaders are very good at is to see more, to see further, to see before others. And this is where we can start to embrace change because when we are emotionally strong, change doesn't scare us. Challenges don't scare us and problems are exciting. What do I mean by problems are exciting? Well, on the other side of every problem is an opportunity. And that's how I view this. That's how I I frame problems. I'm like, oh, awesome. Here comes a problem. Great, because if I can resolve this problem, then on the other side of that problem, there's an opportunity. And I wonder what that opportunity is and where is it going to take us? So if 
we can start to look at change challenges and problems as opportunities, then that doesn't scare us anymore. Fear is an emotion. And one of the things that I've learned a lot about emotion, and this is one that keeps cropping up over and over again. I was just having lunch with a, a business person and they were telling me, you know, how that one of their members of their, their team members um, brings emotion into the workplace. And uh, they say, look, you need to leave that at home. You need to leave that emotion at home. You can't bring it to the workplace. And as I was trying to explain to them, emotion is, is not something you can turn on and turn off. It's there. So what we've got to be able to do is we've got to be able to share with our people how to do that, how to be present with emotion, but still for them to be able to be functional and still to be able to do their job. And this is one of those things that comes under embracing change, challenges and problems. How do we frame that? How do we look at it? How do we how do we support people through that? So emotionally strong leaders are able to embrace change, challenges and problems. The second thing that emotionally strong leaders are able to do is they don't waste too much time. And I emphasize the word too much, <laughs> too much time feeling sorry for themselves. Now, as an as an emotion, pity, being on a pity train, feeling sorry for ourselves, however you want to describe it. It's an emotion. We all have it. We all experience it. However, what we've got to start to recognize is that, you know, is that going to make any difference? And for me personally, you know, I've spent many an hour <laughs> on the pity train, choo-chooing along and recognize that it doesn't actually do much for me. But it's an emotion and it needed to be processed. So what I now recognize is I catch myself on the pity train and I now take action. I work out what's the best thing that I can do. Because it's undeniably true. You can't lead and moan at the same time. Nobody follows a complainer. Nobody follows a moaner. Nobody fo follows you know, a negative Nelly. So you have to be you know, able to, to process your emotion. And you know, in this case, the emotion is pity, to feel sorry for yourselves. Yeah. So we've got to be able to process that. And one of the things and one of the ways that I've recognized this is that when I catch myself and I'm on the pity train, and it's perfectly fine to be on there, but I try not to stay on there. So when I have the awareness and I catch myself, I go, okay, well, how can I take action on this? What can I do about it? And again, it comes back to this whole emotional fitness, emotional agility, emotional flexibility. Number three, don't worry about pleasing others. If you're a people pleaser, you're going to struggle to be an emotionally strong leader. Leaders want to serve. They want to lead. But they can't make all the people happy all of the time. If, you, if you've got this undesirable urge to make everybody happy, you're not going to be able to lead people. Because sometimes leadership means that we're going to upset people. We're going to make decisions. We're going to make choices. We're going to say things. We're going to ask people to do stuff that they're not going to like. Leadership is not a popularity contest. Leadership is about including as many people as possible, thinking about as many people as possible, but overall making the right decision at the right time for the overall good. And this means we're going to piss some people off. So 
Emotionally strong leaders are not overly worried about whether they're pleasing people. That's not our job as a leader. We're there to support. We're there to encourage. We're there to help grow and develop. But we're not there to please people. So be mindful of that. If you catch yourself going, oh, well, I don't want to upset so-and-so, or I don't want to make that decision because that might mean this, that, and the other, you, you, you might be catching yourself doing the people-pleasing role. Be aware of it and see if you can flip the emotion that you're experiencing at that time. Number four, emotionally strong leaders do not allow themselves to be controlled by others. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, when I say controlled by others, what I'm talking about is, you know, what do other people think of me? And again, we kind of comes back to the people pleasing. If I make this decision, what are they going to think of me? You know, and if I make this decision, they might like me better and things like that. Remember, leadership's not a popularity contest. It's about doing the right thing at the right time for the greater good of everybody. So we need to be mindful that we're not being controlled by others. What we should be doing is we need to be able to listen, calibrate and evaluate. Those are the three things that we should always be doing as a leader is listening, calibrating and evaluating the people around us, the situation, what's going on, the behavior of other people. So you know, we don't want to be allow, uh, allow ourselves to be controlled by other people, but we want to be aware of other people. We want to be able to listen to them. We want to be able to calibrate what it is that they're seeking. And also we want to be able to evaluate where we're going. Number five, emotionally strong leaders are not led by emotions. So if they're not led by emotions, what are they led by? What do you think strong leaders are led by? What's coming up into your head, into your mind, as I start to describe this? So I'm just going to hold off to say what they, sh they are led by. But it's not their emotions. Now, what are your thoughts on this? Maybe you're driving along in the car. Maybe you're listening to this you know, as you're out for a walk. What should strong, emotionally strong leaders be led by? It's their values. They need to be led by their values, their calling, and their principles. So it's driven by their why. Their values. One of the best ways to be able to describe a value is that it is um, how we want to feel on a consistent basis. One of my mentors, Joe Parne, he often refers to uh, values as the moral compass. So we should be led, not by our emotions, because that's, that's a very shallow way of being able to lead. Because you know, our emotions, they come and go, and they fluctuate, and they go up and down. So if we're making emotionally charged decisions, it's not going to be consistent. It's not going to be for the greater good. It's probably going to be for our own good. So we need to be led by our values, what we believe is right, what we feel is right, what our calling is, what our principles are. So that's what leaders should be led by, not by their emotions. And then the final one, number six, emotionally strong leaders do not expect immediate results or outcomes. This comes down to something that I call delayed gratitude. If we can start to ma manage our expectations and recognize that in many cases, what we do as leaders 
is a long-term game. In some cases, a very long-term game. So we don't want to be expecting immediate results or outcomes, otherwise we're going to feel let down. We're going to feel disappointed. We're going to feel unfulfilled. And that is going to help us to get into an emotional tiz. So it takes time. It deserves attention. That's how I start to look at things. You know, really, we want to be able to look at it and go, what's the long term impact of this? How quickly or how soon do I start to see an outcome? Now, with my clients who work with me, generally they're working with me on a six month program. And it's not until about the end of month two, beginning of month three, that they really start to notice an impact. And they have major aha moments at that point. And they're like, oh, right. Oh, I see. Ah, oh, yeah. So this layer's on top of that. And that's that. that. And it's almost like a light bulb going off. But if I expected them or they expected themselves to be able to um, change the way they're thinking, change their, their leadership style, change their personal uh, belief systems and things like that overnight, they're going to be very disappointed and become emotionally um, upset, emotionally disappointed. And one of the things that I know from my um, understanding of the human body and human behavior is that when we are emotional, we're operating from our uh, limbic part of our brain, which is the emotional part of the brain. We're not operating from our frontal cortex, so therefore we're not making the best decisions. We're not making the best choices. So emotionally strong leaders need to be a lifter. They need to be lifting the load. Now, I get this from John Maxwell. John Maxwell mentions this quite a lot in um, his teachings. He says, as a leader, you need to be a lifter, lifting the load, not being part of the load and bogging things down. And I've often come across leaders who actually become part of the problem. They become part of the heavy load that the team are having to carry because the leader is struggling emotionally, because the leader is um, become stagnant and stale. They've stopped growing and developing. Really, leaders need to be those ones who are emotionally strong, stable and fit. That's how they lift the load. They lift the load of emotion from their team. They give the certainty. They give the direction. They give the clarity. They give the sense of belonging to their team. And that allows the emotions to be lifted by the leader and for those loads to be taken on by the leader because they are emotionally strong. They are emotionally fit. Because when a leader does this, when we take the load from our team, then our team are then freed up to be able to move forward and achieve their objectives, to be able to focus in on what it is that they need to be doing without being emotionally burdened. So very often when I talk about emotions within teams, people say to me, well, how, do you, how can you start to create an emotionally strong team? Because it's okay saying, you know, as a leader, you need to be emotionally strong. But as, as we know, one of the principles of leadership is to grow other leaders around you. And one of the one of the best ways to be able to grow and develop emotional strength and agility within a team is when they come to you with a problem. When they come to you with a problem, ask them for free solutions. Don't say to you know, don't don't just accept the problem. 
Say to them, if you're coming to me with a problem, I expect you to come with three possible solutions. And one of those solutions must include you. It must You must be part of the solution, i.e. taking an active role in it. Now, what this does is it, it starts to make them think about solutions rather than problems, possible outcomes rather than problems. And they become part of the problem-solving process. Now, you know, very often when I've done this, I've then gone to them and they've, they've come up with the free suggestions and you go, and, and rather than me making decisions saying, yeah, do this number, do, do number two, that sounds like the best solution. I would say to them, now, if you were in my shoes, what do you think would be the best solution and why? And again, it now starts to include them in the decision process making. So then they start to become part of the process of the solution rather than being part of the problem. And again, what we're doing is we're, we're developing this emotional strength, the agility, because then they start to become a bit more robust. They start to think about, OK, I've got to go and see Steve. There's a problem. What what free solutions? And one of them has got to contain me. What free solutions can I present to him? And then I know that he's going to ask me which one I think is the best one and why. So I need to go. I don't just need to come up with free ideas. I just I need to be able to come up with the reason why they're all good. And this really does then start to grow the emotional strength and agility within a team. This is how I learned way, way back when I was in the military. Um, I remember one of my flight sergeants, Sam Stevenson, <laughs> he always used to say to me, OK, what do you think the solution should be? What do you think would be a good way to get around this? Or he would often say to me, you know, I'd go and ask him a question. And he said, so which publication do you think the answer that you seek will be in <laughs> and i would rattle off these publications i'll be like acp 131 um and he'd be like nope and i'll go acp 127 yep that's the one cool then i'll go okay where would i find it in there flight in the, the acp 127 the allied communication publication 127 was a hoofing great big thick book and he'd come back and he'd say well where do you think it might be and I'll be like, oh, for God's sake. But he, what he was actually trying to do was to teach me the emotional strength and the agility to go and find the information out for myself. Because trust me, once you've looked it up in that book, once you know exactly where it is, and then you start to think, well, if I can find it in that book, then I can find it in another book. And if I can do that on my own, then I can do something else on my own. And that's where your team will start to grow and develop. So that's what Sam Stevenson was doing for me. And that's now I'm a leader. Now I'm in his shoes, I can see what he was doing, and it works. So just to recap, emotionally strong leaders do the following. Number one, they embrace change, challenge, and problems. Number two, they don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves, or too much time. They get off the pity train as quickly as possible. Remember, you can't lead and moan at the same time. Emotionally strong leaders do not worry about people-pleasing. Emotionally strong leaders want to serve and lead, but they know that they can't make everybody happy and that leadership is not a popularity contest. Emotionally strong leaders, number four, do not allow themselves to be controlled by others. They listen, calibrate, and evaluate. As a leader, you should be doing this all the time. Listening, calibrating, evaluating. Listening, calibrating, evaluating. Emotionally strong leaders are not led by their emotions. They're led by their values, their principles, 
and their calling. Emotionally strong leaders, number six, the final one, do not expect immediate results or outcomes. Emotionally strong leaders are resilient and they understand that leadership is a long-term goal and many of the tasks that they are trying to achieve are also long-term goals. So as you've been listening to this, ask yourself what actually challenged me out of those six things. Maybe you were thinking, ah, yeah, maybe this is something I can do with my team. Get them to come to me with three solutions. One of those solutions must include themselves. What popped up for you? What one thing can you take away from this podcast and start to apply to your leadership development right now? Because I, as I said earlier on, leaders should be constantly growing, constantly developing. Because if you, as the leader, are constantly growing and constantly developing, then you have fresh material, you have fresh perspectives, you have fresh ideas to share with your team around you. So, pick one thing, one thing from this podcast, and go, right, that's what I'm going to start to focus on. That's my next challenge. I'd love to hear your feedback, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, and I'd love to hear which one of these three, these six things you've chosen as your area of growth. All right, we'll wrap it up there. That was episode 14 of the Raw Leadership Podcast. Next week, I will be having a interview with um, a young leader who has gone from being a miner and working in the Pilbury Mines to being on the executive team of a massive company um, here in Australia. And uh, we'll find out more about that next week. But until then, wherever you are in the world, whatever you're up to, stay safe and I'll speak again soon. Take care. Tooroo. Thank you for joining me for this latest episode of the Raw Leadership Podcast. And if you're enjoying the content that I'm sharing, and if you are curious about how you can reach the next level in your leadership quickly, then perhaps you may want to connect with me to discuss what I do as a leadership coach and how I've already helped thousands of other leaders level up quicker than those around them and get that advantage that so many people are looking for. If you are interested in this, email me at steve at stevebarker.com.au or you can go to my website, stevebarker.com.au and you can message me from there. I look forward to hearing from you and I'm looking forward as well to continuing to share even more valuable content, insights in the next episode of the Raw Leadership Podcast. So until then, take care and we'll speak again soon. Toodaloo.